you got your Bibles, open up to 1 Timothy chapter 6 is where we're going to be starting out this morning. If you want to, you can go ahead and put your finger over in uh, Matthew chapter 6 as well. You can just kind of just put your finger over there, hold that spot. We're going to be going there here in just a little bit. I do want to say thank you really quick to two people who do not get thanked enough in our church, Olivia Rager and Luke Parker. Um, every week, um, they are both full-time college students. Uh, they both take time out of their days. Um, I mean, volunteer. They are not paid uh, to come up here to help serve in every facet of ministry in this church. Um, used to all these videos. I mean, for almost a, I mean, a year and a half, two years, they were on me, and it was just another thing. And so, I, tr- I mean, training them, watching them grow in this, y'all, that. They do so much behind the scenes. So can we give them a hand really quick? I just want to say thank you to them. So what would Jesus undo? Man, that's a good question. Uh, a few weeks ago, uh, Thomas buzzed me in my office. I was sitting there preparing for a Wednesday night, and he said, hey, come to my office when you get the chance. So, of course, I took off running as fast as I could. I'm kidding. Um, I went to his office, and he said, hey, do you want to preach? And of course, I said, yes. You know, let me check the calendar, but yes. And he said, okay, well, you're preaching on materialism. And I said, okay, that yeah, sounds great. Over the past few weeks, goodness, what a topic. What a topic to preach to, to a room full of people who are in the top 10% richest people in the world. Do you realize if you make $25,000 a year, you are in the top 10% richest people in the world? $25,000 a year. And we still constantly feel the need to get more. You still feel this constant pressure from the culture around you to be entangled in this sin that we call materialism. Now, what is materialism? It's this, it's this mindset that possessions, money, all the material things, these are things that we must gather and hoard and bring to ourselves. And by doing that, we effectively create a God out of the material things. Materialism is not a uniquely American sin slash religion, but it is a very American sin slash religion. Look around us. You constantly feel a need to get more. You want the newest phone. Every time a new iPhone drops, what, what happens? Every time the new Samsung Galaxy drops, what happens? Lines form for days. One of my favorite videos of all time was when the iPhone X dropped, and this guy was like, man, check out this iPhone X, and he's sitting there doing this, and he drops it, and the screen cracks. And the first thing he did was he picked it up and ran back into the store. Immediately. We want the newest cars. We want the bigger home. We constantly feel, you constantly feel this urge for bigger and better things. Listen to these quotes from our culture just around us. Okay, listen to these quotes. I'm going to give one uh, for our 30 plus crowd. I'm going to give one for our 30 and under crowd so I can kind of meet both those. Listen to these song lyrics, because we are living in a material world, and I am a, who sang that? All right, see, some of our kids are thinking, what in the world is that? <laughs> now, pretty funny, she actually wrote that song as a bit of irony. She says that she wasn't materialistic. Okay. 
So in preparing for this message, one thing that I'll tell you is that if you want to know what is going on in the culture, listen to the top 100 charts or even the top 50 charts. Listen to this one. This lyric is from a top 10 most streamed song in America right now. In the next life, I'm trying to stay paid. When I die, put my money in the grave. That's from the rapper Drake. In the next life, I'm trying to stay paid. When I die, put my money in the grave. He wants his money to go with him. Even in the next life, he's saying, listen, when I die and go to the next life, I want my money with me. This is a very, I mean, if you think about it, a very pagan, even a, a particular culture, Egyptian mindset. Think about the Egyptians whenever they found these tombs, they go in and there's all this gold and there's all this riches around them because they thought to get them into the next life, they needed to have these things. Now, I really don't think Drake's going to be buried with all his money, but it's very possible. But the guy who used to do our student ministry for years, and my brother's probably going to kind of chuckle underneath his breath with this, he said almost every time he spoke, you'd never see a hearse with a U-Haul behind it. You never see that. Now, you may say, now, Tyler, that's just the culture around us inside this church. Man, listen, that, doesn't, that isn't here. That materialism isn't here. Listen to this. These are quotes from very popular teachers. Okay, now please notice teachers. Quote around that. God wants us to prosper financially. To have plenty of money to fulfill the destiny he has laid out for us. Who has said that one? Joel Osteen. Joel Osteen. Listen to this one. This, this, I love this one. This one is great. God is not magnified when you are broke, busted, or disgusted. Goodness gracious. Paula White said that one. And this is a very popular growing church's belief statement. Now, this is like in their belief statement. Please listen to this. And now, this is what I want to get at. Sometimes, this is like a very, like, over the top, you see it, and it's like, God wants you to be rich. There was a video floating around a couple of weeks ago of uh, Kenneth Copeland online and said that he doesn't fly commercial airlines, that he doesn't want to fly in demon tubes. So he bought, gosh, what's that comedian's name? Somebody remind Perry, Matthew Perry. Anyway, he bought this comedian. He bought this guy's plane, this private plane, $50 million. And he said he got a deal on it. Bought this guy's plane. And it's so overt and we're like, Oh my gosh, no, that's not Christianity. But listen to how subtle this one is. It's so subtle. It's just underneath the surface. It is the Father's will for believers to become whole, healthy, and successful in all areas of life. But because of the fall, many may not receive the full benefits of God's will while on earth. That fact, though, should never prevent all believers from seeking the full benefits of Christ's provision in order to better serve others. And they list four things, spiritual, mental and emotional, physical, and the last one, financial. Financial. This church believes that it is within Christ's provision to bless you financially. And one of the verses that they actually use is Deuteronomy 28, 1 through 14 to prove this. That verse isn't about Americans or about us. That verse is for Israelites. That's the blessing of the Israelites. So they take scripture out of context to prove their point. Very subtly, very under the surface. And you may say, you're, some of you out there, I look at you, you're shaking your head. No, 
They, they can't be teaching that. That's a false Christianity. And you may not agree with these statements, but let me ask you this. Does your pocketbook reflect that? Does your pocketbook reflect that? One study shows that for every $100 that American Christian makes, only five cents, a nickel, is spent on the rest of the world. Five cents. And we wonder why there's an evangelism crisis. We wonder why baptisms are down. It's because many of us have bought into this sin of materialism. Now, please, I want to just kind of just give this caveat. I am not saying that it is inherently simple to have or want nice things. But we need to realize that even the best of things, especially material stuff, can distract us from Jesus. Brothers and sisters, Jesus doesn't care about your stuff. He cares about your heart. Jesus does not care about your stuff. He cares about your heart. In Matthew 6, 21, he says this, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Ultimately, what it is, is we're chasing these material things to find contentment. We're trying to find contentment in these material things because we think if we have the nice home, if we have the nice car, if we have all these nice things, that we can find contentment. But what you realize at the end is it's just ultimately a rat race. It never stops. And eventually you keep running and running and running and running just to get to your deathbed and realize that it was pointless. Material things do not give you contentment. This morning, the scriptures, Paul and Jesus, are both going to argue for this. Find contentment in Jesus. Find contentment. In Jesus. That's the, only, that's the main point. We're going to build around that. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to present three questions that if you were sitting across the table from me that you could ask me. And then I'm going to present three answers from the scriptures and how the scriptures answer these three questions. But first, let's pray. Father, I pray that you will bless this time of your word proclaimed. That God, most of all, that you will just use me as just a vessel to proclaim your inerrant infallible and holy word to a room that is full of people who are possibly chasing material things and not pursuing you. Father, reveal the sin in my own heart this morning and lead me to confess it myself. And I pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to start in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 6. This is what the word of the Lord says. But godliness with contentment is great gain. For if we brought nothing into the world, and we cannot take anything out of the world. Drake needs to read that verse. But if we have food and clothing with these, we will be content. We're going to stop right there. The first question that I'm going to ask this morning, or you could ask me this morning if we were sitting across my kitchen table. Why should I find contentment in Jesus? If the scriptures are arguing for you to find contentment in Jesus, hey Tyler, why should I find contentment in Jesus? And we see this answered in verses 6 through 8. The first, the first one, verse 6, but godliness with contentment is great gain. So the first point, the first answer to your question I'd say is, well listen, uh, the scriptures say that there's great gain found in Jesus. There's great gain found in Jesus. Notice that Paul doesn't say, hey, stop living for gain. Sell everything that you have. Go live in like this, like, like a monk. 
No, he doesn't say that. He's saying, listen, this is the way that you can find great gain, and it is in godliness. And what is godliness? That's a very Christian word that we use. What is it? Well, godliness is simply this, the God-centered life. It's the life that glorifies God in the fullest. It's the, the life that seeks to be as godly, to look like Jesus as much as possible. Brothers and sisters, this gain can't be found in the material things of this world. It is found in godliness. And what is our best example of godliness? What is it? It's Jesus. Jesus is our greatest example of godliness. Now, don't listen to just me. Listen to what Paul says in Philippians 4, 11 through 13. Now, Philippians 4, 13, like, we love this verse in America. Especially Tim Tebow puts it on his eye black, right? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, especially beat those Alabama Crimson Tide. And then he cries and it wipes it all away. But anyway, verse 11 through 13, tell us the true context of this verse. This isn't about beating your sports opponents. This isn't about Steph Curry draining the shot. I use Steph Curry as an example because when you buy his shoes from Under Armour, it has this verse on it. That's not what this verse is about. Listen, verse 11 through 13, this is what Paul's arguing. Not that I am speaking of being in need. For what I have learned in whatever situation, I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. He's essentially saying, hey, listen, I've been poor, I've had money. And in every circumstance, I have learned the secret of of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. This verse is not about running through a brick wall. I listened to one false teacher while preparing for this sermon say this verse is about fulfilling your destiny. Whatever that means. This verse is about finding contentment ultimately in Jesus. This verse is about finding contentment in Jesus. And Paul is writing this from a jail cell. Sitting inside a Philippian jail cell, he is writing this. And he's saying, hey, listen, I know how it feels to be rich. I know how it feels to be poor. I'm in chains right now writing this. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Great gain is found in Jesus. Great gain is found in Jesus. Listen to this. When we find contentment in Jesus, listen to what happens in Philippians 4.19. He argues this later on in the passage. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. It doesn't say our riches. It says his riches. When we find contentment in Jesus, we gain him. And brothers and sisters, he's enough. When we find our ultimate contentment in Christ, he's enough. And when we say that, but then live differently with, pursu- with pursuing material things. How hypocritical of us. And this is very, very just specific of why Jesus would undo our materialism. When we realize that we do not live in light of this, living like God will supply our every need, thinking that we have to supply our every need, shame on us for our sin. And we should be led to confess on our faces before the Lord today. Even myself, I am preaching this directly to my heart because you can ask my wife, I am the most uncontent person on the planet. I am not content with anything. 
I constantly want to go. I constantly want the new things. My Xbox One crashed one day, and I promise you, I almost went to Walmart and bought me a new Xbox One, not even checking the pocketbook. I had to watch Netflix. Stranger Things was coming out. This verse spiritually punches me in the face. And answers my question myself. Why should I find contentment in Jesus? Because he's the greatest gain we could ever have. He's all we ever need. And when we live in light of that. It leads to this realization. Verse 7. That stuff eventually goes away. That stuff eventually goes away. For we brought nothing into the world. And we cannot take anything out of the world. For we brought nothing into the world. And we cannot take anything out of the world. When John D. Rockefeller, if you're not familiar with him, he was one of the richest men who ever lived. I mean, Jay-Z like, has his own like, label after this, so Rockefeller, all right? He wants to mimic John D. Rockefeller and his riches. When he died, his aide was asked, how much money did he leave behind? And his aide just simply looked at the man and said, all of it. All of it. He wasn't buried in this massive tomb with all of his riches. He left everything behind. And like I said earlier, I mean, I, this lyric from Drake makes no sense in light of this. Why bury our money in the grave? It doesn't go with us. It just sits there. It just sits there and it eventually, it wastes away. Brothers and sisters, greed and materialism makes no earthly sense for the Christian. Job said this, naked I came from my mother's womb and naked shall I return you came in with nothing, you leave with nothing. It's as simple as that. And one day that car is going to go bad. One day that home is going to fall in. One day all that money is just going to go away. It's just going to disappear. One day, ultimately, you will more than likely be forgotten. Stuff goes away. So what do we do in, in light of this? We pursue more stuff. You pursue more stuff. You constantly chase after other things, trying to find contentment in stuff, and it's just this never-ending, just feed me more, feed me more, feed me more, feed me more. And it's just this consumerism that is just ravaging America and ravaging the church today. Give me more. Give me more. But listen to what Jesus says. Matthew 6, 19-21. Do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I tell my students pretty regularly what you spend the most time on is more than likely what you worship. What you spend the most time on is more than likely what you worship. If I was to walk into your house, would it be a temple to your things? Would it be your own little personal church to your material things, to your stuff? It eventually goes away. It, it just eventually goes away. And no matter what we hear that these false teachings that God wants to bless us financially if we follow Him and all these things. 
Even they need to realize that eventually it's going to go away. Only what is done for eternity will last. Only what that is done for eternity will last. And if we find our contentment in Jesus, brothers and sisters, I promise you, he's going to last a lot longer than that money is. He's going to last a lot longer than that house is. When your house falls in, when the roof falls in, man, his kingdom's still going to be standing. When this church one day is just falling in, when this building is just falling in, Jesus is still going to be standing. And if we do not stand with him, if we do not turn to him, if we do not run to him and realize that the stuff eventually just goes away and find contentment in him, we're putting ourselves in danger, as we'll see in just a minute. Now, we realize in the third answer, when we realize that Jesus is the great gain and that the stuff goes away, it leads us to live the simple life. It leads us to live the simple life. Verse 8. But if we have food and clothing with these, we will be content. If we have food and clothing, that's it. With these, we will be content. When you pursue godliness and you, you realize that the temporary things are just going to go away, all these, this stuff is just going to go away, it leads you to a simple life, or it should. It shouldn't lead you to pursue more. It should pursue us to live simply. Have you guys ever seen the Life is Good shirts? You know what I'm talking about? The Life is Good shirts? I love those shirts. You ever seen how those things started? It's one of the greatest stories, one of the craziest business stories of all time. The guy skipped out on work to go surfing with his friends. And um, on his surf shirt, he drew a little stick figure on a surfboard, and he wrote underneath it, Life is Good. Now that blew up into a massive multi-million dollar business. But <laughs> brothers, life is good with God. Life is good with Him, and He is enough. And this should lead us to say, listen, as long as we got food and clothes on our back, I'm content. I am truly content. In a world of accumulation, consuming everything, Christians should not need more and more of stuff. We should need more and more of Jesus. David Platt in his commentary states this, Does God love you? Does he desire your good? Then hear him say this, You don't need more stuff. Live simply and in the process, trust me to satisfy you far better than more stuff ever will. You know what David Platt just said to us? If we're trusting in our material things, we don't trust in the Lord. He just said that if we trust in material things, we are not trusting in the Lord in his fullness. Even if all we have are food and clothing, brothers and sisters, it's enough because Jesus is enough. Now, if we were sitting at my kitchen table, you'd say, well, what do you mean Jesus is enough? Listen to what Paul argues in Colossians 1, because I can't write this good. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him, all things were created. What's that Greek word for all mean? All. All things. All things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, and everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. And amen to that. If we find contentment in Jesus, this is who we're finding contentment in. 
the one who is in control, the one for who all things were created, the one who gave his life for you, the one who sought to make a way for you, the one who proved it on the cross. If Jesus gave us his all, all we'll ever need is him. I used to do, there was a book that came out a few years ago and I used it, and I still use it from time to time when I go to speak at high schools on Wednesday mornings and Thursday mornings for first priority and Warriors for Christ, I draw this math equation on the board and they go, oh no, we're doing math. And they should realize I'm not good at math. But this is a pretty simple equation. Jesus plus everything equals nothing. But Jesus plus nothing equals everything. We cannot add to Jesus. And we are called to find contentment in Jesus. And when we find contentment in Jesus, this leads us to find gain in godliness, gain in pursuing him. We realize that stuff eventually goes away. And then when we find contentment ultimately in Jesus, it leads us to really see, just live simply. Live the simple life. Now here's my second question. If you were sitting across from my kitchen table, what if I, instead of Jesus... Found contentment in my possessions. Now what Paul is actually combating here in this passage, if you read kind of in context, is he's combating false teaching. He's combating false teaching, and this false teacher that's in the church at Ephesus has this unhealthy kind of craving for controversy, for quarrels, for war about words, which produce envy, dissension, slander, evil and suspicions, and constant friction above people who are depraved in mind, deprived of the truth, imagining that godliness is a means of gain. What he's saying is this false teacher's teaching that if you pursue godliness, God's going to bless you. The false teachers that I read about earlier, they fall underneath this and they are condemned by Paul. I would be as far as far to say those aren't brothers and sisters in the way that they're teaching. They believe in a false Christ. And Paul warns those who trust in this teaching in verse 9 and 10. Listen to what he says. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evils. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. So if you ask this question, well, what have I found contentment in my possessions? What if Jesus isn't enough for me? I would answer you very simply. First off, you will be deceived. You will be deceived. You will be deceived. Verse 9. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare. Into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. That word plunge in the Greek is the same word that's used, that Luke uses, when he's talking about the boat sinking from the massive catch. Essentially what he's saying is this. If you pursue riches, it's going to sink you. It's going to plunge you. It's going to drown you. Materialism seeks to drown you. It seeks to go and just overwhelm you. And they look enticing. I mean, it really looks like it's drawing us and it's beautiful. It's these things. James 1 seriously says that temptation is because you are enticed and lured by your own 
desires. When you are lured to, see, to think that materialism and possessions, the stuff is where you find contentment, you are being lured and you are, be, you are biting hook, line, and sinker. You're caught by the enemy. And it's not just the enemy. I mean, it's your desires. It's your heart. This reveals a heart issue in us. A good illustration of this would be like drinking seawater while being stranded in the ocean. You guys have probably seen, you know, those movies or those television shows where people get stuck out in the ocean for like days and they have to survive. And I remember when I was younger, I was like, I mean, they could survive. They're surrounded by water. Now, what happens if they drink that water? It dehydrates them. Eventually to the point of killing them. Why? Because it looks like water, and it is water, but it has this high salt content that will eventually just, just take all, of, just, just dehydrate you, take all life out of you. That is what materialism does. That is what happens when we find contentment in our possessions. It's just like we're drinking salt water, brothers and sisters. It may quench the thirst for a minute, but then you get thirstier. It may quench the thirst for a minute, but then you realize you need more. It may quench all that you have right now, but eventually it's going to go away and it will kill you spiritually. You will be deceived. My second answer would be your soul will be in danger. Look down at verse 10. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evils. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. They've hurt themselves because they've been plunged into this ruin and destruction. This materialism is seeking to drown them and it's overcoming them, endangering their soul. You can feed the flesh all you want to, but if you're not feeding your soul, you're wasting your time. This body will pass away one day. This body will die one day and your soul will go on and materialism starves you and drowns you from that. And it leads you away from Christ and it leads you to a false God. Notice that Paul does not say in verse 10 that money is the root of all evil. That is not what I'm saying this morning. What does he say? The love of money is the root of all evil. Money can be a blessing from God. And in fact, it is a blessing from God. He has richly blessed every one of us inside this room this morning. Every one of us, from what I can see, are wearing clothes and you got here somehow. Now, if you're not wearing clothes, please leave and I'll shut my eyes and make sure everybody else doesn't see you. Listen to me. It's not money that's the root of all evil. It's the love of money. It's this craving, this wanting more that leads people away from Jesus. Why? Because if money is the root of all evils, it is the root of all kinds of sins. If money is the root of all evils, it is the root of all kinds of sin. One commentator that I was reading this week said this. Here are a list of sins that contribute, that can be tied directly to the root of money. Selfishness, cheating, fraud, perjury, robbery, envy, lying, injustice, immorality, arguing, hatred, violence, murder. Just to name a few. Many of these sins can be traced back to the root of love of money, which is the root of all evils. I was telling a couple that I was meeting with the other night for premarital counseling that 
one of the biggest reasons for divorce is money. Why? Because that money became the focus. It can divide us. It can just create this dissension between us. That same commentator said this, materialism is a breeding ground for thousands of sins. Are you Christian foolish enough to think that you were really immune to such things? You may read some of those and go, yeah, well, I mean, I've cheated a couple times. Never committed fraud. I mean, I stole something once. Pretty funny fact. The only thing I've ever stolen in my life is from this building. I don't know if you know that one. It was a Kmart. Confession time. It was a pack of Pokemon cards. Um, I can take you to the exact spot where it happened. My grandmother made me turn them back in. Envy, injustice, immorality. Arguing, yeah, argue with people. But violence and murder? That ain't me, Tyler. But it could be. You need to realize that that sin is there. It is there, brothers and sisters. All of these sins, you are not immune to such things. And when you make materialism your God, you are playing with fire. And you will get burnt. Guarantee it. You will get burnt. I guarantee it. James says in verse 1 of his epistle, I mean, in chapter, in chapter 1 of his epistle, but each person that is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire, reference that earlier, but then listen what happens. Then desire, when it is conceived, gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. This is the life cycle of sin. It is born out of desire, and then it grows up and it eventually kills you. It becomes death. Listen to what he says in verse 5, though. This does not sound like, I mean, chapter 5. This does not sound like a good time. Come now, you rich people. Weep and wail over the miseries that are coming on you. Your wealth is ruined. Your clothes are moth-eaten. Your silver and gold are corroded. And their corrosion will be against a witness against you. And you will eat your flesh like fire. You will store, you stored up your treasures in the last days. You have laid up your treasures in the last days. This does not sound like a good time. This sounds horrifying. And it should terrify us because we all could easily, you could very easily walk into this sin. You could walk into this place where the corrosion of your things, the wasting away of your things will be used against you. Materialism endangers your soul from being separated from Jesus for eternity. Listen to me. This is so important. Possessions will always let you down. They will always let you down. And especially at the most important point of your life. The most important point of your life, they're going to let you down. Well, you may be saying, Tyler, what's the most important important point of my life? When you're about to die. When you're about to die. You realize all these things are wasteful and you may have possibly endangered your soul pursuing stuff instead of Christ. Jesus warns us in Matthew 6, 24. No one can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other. For he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. So Salisa just asked the question, who will you serve this morning? In light of these truths, in light of these warnings that you will be deceived and that you will put your soul in danger if you do not find contentment in Jesus, if you find your contentment in your possessions, 
Who will you serve? Now, if we were sitting there over a meal at my kitchen table, I would hope that you would say, well, Jesus. Jesus is who I would serve. And that is what I hope everybody in this room replies right now in their hearts. I will pursue Jesus. So this leads to the third and final question. If we find contentment in Jesus, what does this look like lived out? Now that we've kind of realized this truth, we've kind of looked inside our hearts, what does it look like to apply the gospel and live this out, to truly live out these truths? The first thing I tell you is this, is to find your hope in Jesus alone, not in riches. Now this should not lead us to like this false asceticism or this major avoidance of stuff where we just kind of just sell everything and go to a monastery. If you want to do that, by all means, if the Lord's leading you that way, that's fine. It's not about stuff as much as it is about living with stuff in the right focus. It's not about having stuff as much as it is about living with stuff in the right focus. Listen to what Jim Carrey said. I think everybody should get rich and famous and do everything that they ever dreamed of so that they can see that it's not the answer. There's an interview with Tom Brady on ESPN a couple years ago after he won like a second or third or however many Super Bowls he has. I can ask Paul Yothry later. But listen to what he, listen to what he said in ESPN. He said, I have a beautiful wife. I have the kids. I have the Super Bowls. I have the rings. I have the MVPs. I'm just not happy. I'm not satisfied. I want more. Because he's looking for the wrong answer. Jim Carrey says, listen, so they can see it's not the answer. Well, what is the answer, Jim? What's the answer for us? Here's the answer. Why do you have your things? If you flip over to verse 17... In my Bible flipped over, but if you look at verse 17 in chapter 6 of 1 Timothy, it says this, As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, there's that word, Thomas, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. Why do you have your things? It is God who richly provides you with everything to enjoy. When you find your ultimate contentment in Jesus, you view your stuff with the right lens. When you find your ultimate contentment in Jesus, you view your stuff with an eternal lens. We have to find our ultimate contentment in Jesus. So this is what I ask you to do right now. I I would ask you to look inside your heart right now. or Just really deeply look. And say, God, am I raising my stuff to a God level? Are my things an idol right now in my life? Is my house, my pocketbook, my stuff, my car, are these things an idol to me? Have I neglected the most important blessings in my life for material stuff? Have I prioritized stuff over Jesus? If you have, then you've fallen into the sin of materialism and you need to repent today. If you have, you need to repent today. The second thing, if we find contentment in Jesus, what does this look like lived out? The second truth is this. Give sacrificially, do not live extravagantly. Verse 18. They, the rich in this present age, are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share. Augustine, who's one of my favorite theologians, says, From the good which they distributed to others, and so placed in greater safety. He's talking about placing our treasure where moth and rust and thief can't get to. Placing it in God. They derived more happiness 
Then they incurred sorrow from the good which they anxiously hoarded and so lost more easily. Nothing could be really lost on earth save save what one would be ashamed to take to heaven. John Wesley really lived this out. When he, if you don't know who John Wesley was, he's a famous Methodist missionary and preacher, theologian. And while I would agree on some of John Wesley's conclusion, disagree with some of John Wesley's conclusions, man, what an example of Christ that we have. And I mean, this is that cloud of witnesses that we're surrounded by. Listen to what he did in 1731. He sought to give more money to the poor. So over the year, his income was 30 pounds. And he did a budget and he realized his living expense was 28. So that year he gave away two pounds. The next year, his income doubled, allowing him to keep 28 and giving away 32 pounds. His income increased and increased throughout his life to the highest point where he was able to give away 92 pounds to the poor and to the Lord. Now, I know nothing about British currency, so I converted it for you. With the modern American dollar amounts, he lived on $20,000 a year. He gave away more than $160,000. Just gave it away. Just gave it away. By the time he died, in his will, the only money they left behind was the money that was in his pocket and some money that he kind of kept in some drawers around the house. He had given away most of his income. It was gone. Brothers and sisters, let our church be marked by a giving that is eternally focused, that is sacrificial. Let our giving be marked by a giving that is just, people look at us and go, how are they surviving? What is by the Lord? Because that is where we find our contentment. It is in Christ that we find our contentment ultimately, which leads to my last point. Gain eternal life by contentment in Jesus not contentment in material things. So if you ask the question, if we find contentment in Jesus, what does this look like lived out? If you live for Jesus, you will gain eternal life. Now don't let me just argue this. Listen to what the scriptures say. Verse 19. Thus, storing up treasures for themselves. Talking about the rich. All right? Which all of us in this room, according to world standards, we're rich. Top 10% of the world, $25,000 a year. The storing up treasures for themselves as a good foundation for the future. So that they may take hold of what? Of that which is eternal, truly life. John Piper said this. Don't care about earthly reward, brothers and sisters. Look to the heavenly reward. Namely, the infinite joys of being a child of God. That is what, my, that is what I'm encouraging. That is what I'm telling you to do today from the scriptures. Find joy in the Lord. Find contentment in Jesus. Material things will waste away. They will endanger you. They will deceive you. They will go away. But if we take hold of what is truly life, what is truly life? It's Jesus. Jesus is truly life. Listen to what 2 Corinthians 8, 8 9 says. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, Yet for your sake became poor, so that you, by his poverty, might become rich. I was listening to a pastor of a very popular church, a church many of us would be familiar with, teach on this passage a few years ago. And he applied this passage to material riches. Jesus does not care about our material riches. 
He came to make us rich eternally. And how did he do that? By his life that he lived for us, by his death that he died for us on the cross, and by his resurrection that he sealed for us. I know today that some of you have turned to materialism as your God, and I pray that you will run down here and turn to Jesus. Even in my own heart, I have turned to materialism at times, and even recently at times. Y'all, Jesus did not come to make me rich on this earth. He came to make me rich eternally, and that richness is only found in Him. It is only found in Jesus. So that by His poverty, by Him living, humbling Himself into human form, we might become rich. Take hold of that which is truly life, brothers and sisters. Take hold of that which is truly life, and He will make you rich eternally, and that's what matters this morning. Will you pray with me? Father, as the band comes forward, I pray that You will help us to see that, Father, you are enough. And you are enough because of Jesus, God. That Jesus made it a way for us to see that you are enough. God, when we turn to material things, and we don't turn to the creator of these material things, and we look at these blessings as a God, Father, we are endangering ourselves. And I pray that we will truly and utterly turn to you and turn away from our sin. Father, there's someone inside this room that's made materialism their God. I pray they will repent of their sin today and they will run to you. And for the believers inside this room, I pray that God, that we will ultimately live simply, that we will give sacrificially and that we will thrive eternally because of those things. Father, let us be more like Jesus and by pursuing Jesus, gain you. Let us find contentment in your son. I pray so in Jesus' name. Amen.